more often than not, you have the tools within you or you have somebody in your life or some way to discover what tools will work for you uh, to anchor yourself and then, you know, eventually pull yourself out and and move on to what's going to next best serve you. You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast, and I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie. I'm excited to help you get off the sidelines and finally step into your calling. So let's get started right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Start Right Now podcast. You've been listening and you know it's been a little while since I've had a guest on the show, but in particular today, you are going to get to go deep on a topic that I've started to talk more and more and more about. It's super important. Um, my guest today is Sydney Weiss. She is a podcaster. She is a lawyer. She is the executive producer of not one, but two podcasts. Um, her podcast is called Seek the Joy, and it's been featured in BuzzFeed's 27 podcasts you need to start listening to in 2018. Um, she's also won awards for her podcast because it is an incredible forum, a go-to place for heartfelt storytelling and conversations about all things related to self-love, joy, connection, wellness, empowerment, spirituality, all that good, good stuff that we love to talk about on this show. Um, Sydney and I are going to go deep on uh, on joy today, on vulnerability, on the inner critic on so much ooey gooey gushy stuff that I know is going to help you get off the sidelines and really start to make progress on your thing. So welcome to the show today, Sydney Weiss. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, what an intro. Thank you. Well-deserved. I uh, will aspire to be like you one day and be on these lists of all <laughs> these awesome podcast awards oh and you know, articles. It's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Sydney, I've been digging into your content over the last couple of weeks. I love your message. I love the things that you're talking about. And it's going to be super relevant for anybody that's been thinking about doing something, but for whatever reason, has not gotten started yet. Hmm. Yes. So what I want to dig into and where I want to start, you really consider yourself at this point, you are definitely an expert and an authority on joy and and helping us find ways to seek the joy in our lives. But I know that's not where your story starts. And uh, I know instead of joy, you felt a lot of things. You felt fear. You felt shame. You felt disappointment. Take us back to the beginning of your journey that has brought you here. Hmm, Yes. Okay. So For this story, we got to go back all the way, I think, to 2016. And I was about to get ready to graduate from law school and um, had shingles about a month or so before. And that should have been my first wake-up call, by the way. Like, hello, like, how are you? Are you feeling okay? Are you uber stressed? Do we need to change some things? But it wasn't. And then I graduated from law school. I sat for the California bar exam, which um, for anyone that is or isn't familiar, back in 2016, it was a three-day exam. It's an entrance exam to become licensed to practice law uh, in California or in the United States. And um, by the end of that period, I just was I was unrecognizable to myself, really. Um, I had been studying some days, 16 hours a day, so stressed, not eating properly. The negative self-talk was out of control. I was just in such deep fear over the exam. And then about a month or so later, I had appendicitis. I had to have my appendix removed, which is a whole other 
story (laughs) saga to begin with. And then by November of that year, I found out I didn't pass the bar exam. And that was really, in many ways, my rock bottom moment because I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe I had put in all of this work and all this pressure on myself to ultimately uh, not pass. And I remember sitting on the floor in my parents' living room just in complete shock. And the negative Mm -hmm. self-talk that I had spoken about a little bit ago was even worse. I mean, I was saying things to myself like, how could you have been so stupid? You're such a failure. This is so embarrassing. You're an embarrassment. And I let myself sit in that space of pity and anger and frustration for probably almost two weeks to a month. And then something switched and I decided, okay, I am going to figure out how to pick myself up. And we're going to tackle this exam. We are going to dominate this exam. We are not going to be in fear of it anymore. And we're just going to figure it out. And so I spent sort of the next almost, God, like nine months really going deep within myself. I was examining this negative self-talk I had carried with me. I was eating better. I was changing the way that I was viewing myself in the world. I was exposing myself to different books and podcasts and ways of thinking. And by the time I sat for the bar the second time in July 2017, I just was a completely different person. And I remember coming out of that experience and not feeling afraid of the bar exam and feeling energized by the opportunity to like to demolish it. Like I really went into it with this like warrior mentality of like, no, no, you're not going to kick my ass. I'm going to kick yours. And so by the time September rolled around, two months after I had sat for the bar, I had this like real desire, this longing to connect with other people who had similar stories or experiences or simply wanted to have a conversation and be vulnerable. And at the time, I was listening to like 10 different podcasts every week. I was super um, immersed and obsessed with the space. And I thought, I'll start a podcast. Like, I can figure this out, Um, which looking back feels really funny because I really had no idea what I was doing, as most of us who start a podcast have no clue. And so within two weeks, I had the idea for the podcast the name. I launched it. Um, And the rest, I guess, is kind of history. I started off by interviewing my friends, which was such a phenomenal way for me personally to start off uh, Seek the Joy podcast. And then, you know, started interviewing people that I was inspired by. And here we are three and a half years, almost four years later. And it's been it's been an amazing journey. Um, And at the same time, two months after I started the podcast, I passed the bar. I always forget to tell this part of this story. So I became a lawyer very simultaneously with with becoming a podcaster. And so those journeys have really existed simultaneously. It's been a really fun, enjoyable ride so far. Well, kudos to you because there's not a lot of people that can say that they took their rock bottom moment and immediately used it as something that you know, is a tool to uh, serve others, is something that's helping propel them in multiple areas of their life. Like through it, you've discovered this, uh, you know, story and this message of seeking the joy, your podcast, you passing the bar. Um, Something that really stood out to me is that you said you had let yourself sit in it. When you were in this place of having these really heavy negative emotions, you, you let yourself sit in it before you actually pulled yourself out of it and said, let's go, let's get this done. Um, do you know, what did you have to do to be able to like make the switch in your mind and almost like see yourself as like, I'm watching myself Mm -hmm. wallow in these feelings versus 
taking accountability and, and moving past them? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question. And before I answer it, I want to acknowledge something that you said before, which is about turning your rock bottom into your your message. There's this phenomenal phrase, and I don't know who coined it, but about turning your mess, you know, into your message. And I didn't really realize that I was doing that until at least a year into the podcast when people would start to reach out to me and say, Hey, I also had shingles, or hey, I also didn't pass the bar, or I didn't pass this entrance exam for my my career. And it occurred to me that by sharing my story and being vulnerable in that way, I was helping other people. And it wasn't my intent necessarily. And I didn't realize it until at least a year into it. So I I really appreciate what you said. And then, so going back to your question, I think for me, you know, I didn't want to deny the experience. I didn't want to deny the disappointment. I think so often, and I've been guilty of this, I think my whole life, is when you're experiencing a difficult emotion. And by difficult, I mean emotions that we historically don't want to experience. I don't think we want to experience anger most of the time or sadness or frustration. And so rather than pushing those difficult emotions away, I really wanted to allow myself to just experience it and sit with it. And part of it too was at the time, like when it was so fresh, I didn't know how I was going to pull myself out of it because I was so deep in that space of shame and so deep in that space of embarrassment. But then one day I kind of woke up and I decided like this pity party wasn't serving me anymore. I think at the beginning it did serve me because it allowed me that space to really sit and process with what had happened, what I was experiencing, how I was feeling. I mean, simultaneous to not passing the bar, I was having so many uh, difficulties with my health. And so it was just a perfect storm and but so that one day when I woke up, I decided, okay, let's figure this out. What are we going to do? And for me, it was about baby steps. It was, okay, let's figure out when we're going to take the bar next. Okay, that was step one. Okay, then when will we start preparing for it? What will that look like? What will I do before then? It just, for me, it started to become this process of breaking things down into smaller steps so that I didn't feel so overwhelmed and so clouded by this perception or this opinion of me that I thought other people had, but it was really just the one I was holding on about myself that I thought was being projected. So I think it is really important to allow yourself to sit in those difficult emotions and and allow yourself and know, to know that and trust that at the end of the day, I think you can be your own anchor. I think sometimes we think we're going to sink or we're not going to be able to swim, but more often than not, you have the tools within you or you have somebody in your life or some way to discover what tools will work for you uh, to anchor yourself and then, you know, eventually pull yourself out and and move on to what's going to next best serve you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, so good. For, for people that are listening to this, it's so interesting to me that we have this perception or thought that all these people are kind of watching what we're doing and, you know, in our places and times where we're failing and we experience this shame and this, you know, quote unquote failure, learning mm-hmm. opportunity failure, um, that all these people are looking at us and, and watching us. And that's simply not true. We're so much harder on ourselves and other people are on us. Um, you know, whatever mm-hmm. imaginations and fantasies we have about all the things that they're, that we're, that they are saying about us. So that's such a good reminder. How do yeah. you, how do you get over the, the shame of feeling like you've missed the mark on what might be your biggest goal? So for people that, that maybe they were seeking to be a lawyer, that's their ultimate goal, or they were seeking to start a business or, 
or, you know, succeed in different lanes and, and they're failing and they're just so uh, overwhelmed by the shame of not making it. How do you even wrap your head around, you know, getting through that and, and not, uh, you know, seeing it as like a personal failure, really? Mm-hmm. I think it starts by looking at why you feel that sense of shame. For me, the shame came from this persona, this persona that I was projecting into the world that I was smart or intelligent or had my, you know, my stuff together, that um, I was invincible, that I could pass any exam. It was sort of this image that I was projecting into the world that really stemmed from my own insecurity of fear of failure, of fear of what would people think if, you know, I didn't pass. And I had to spend some time really examining those fears and examining where they came from. And ultimately what I discovered is that I had based my entire self-worth my whole life on the external, um, who I was, how I felt about myself. It was all based upon what other people thought. It was based upon a grade in school, you know, how well I performed. I tied my self-worth and my self-respect to all of those things. And ultimately I had to go on a journey with myself and discover that actually my self-worth, your self-worth, our self worth as humans is not tied to anything external to us. It's completely connected to who we are internally, who we are on, on the inside. And so I started to, to ask myself, what if I based how I felt about myself on my level of kindness, on the way I interact with other people, and the way that you know it elicits my compassion or empathy or understanding? What if I was going to base my self-worth on doing something that I love in the way that it makes me feel rather than the way that it's impacting somebody else. And I had to keep asking my, myself that question for months. And actually, what is it like four or five years later, I'm continuing to ask myself those questions because we're human. We get wrapped up, I think, in old patterns and old behaviors and old, way, old ways of being in the world where we connect you know, our self-worth to the external. But for me, that was a huge step was recognizing that my self-worth had nothing to do with success. And by success, it was this external version of success. And beyond that, I then had to redefine success for myself and decide, okay, success cannot be how I perform. It cannot be the way it's perceived. I'm perceived in the world. My success has to be based upon something that I do for me every day. And so today I now define success as being, how did I show up for myself today? Did I take care of myself? Did I get things done that were important to me? If not, okay, that's okay. Let's not be hard on ourselves. Let's carry it on to tomorrow. And so redefining success reevaluating the way I was defining my self-worth all really helped me get out of this sort of shame spiral that I was in. And part of it too was looking at, was there anyone really like feeling this way about me in the world? And yeah, sure. There were some people I went to law school with who were extremely judgmental. They're not my friends. You know what I mean? So I think part of that too is recognizing who is in your circle. Are they supporting you? Are they judging you? Are they lifting you up? Are they encouraging you? Or are they criticizing you? behind your back. And I just made the decision of anybody who fit into that criticism, judgmental category didn't need to be in my cheering section uh, when I sat for the bar the second time. And so for me, all of that really helped me move through that space of shame. And the last thing that helped me, and I really hope that this helps someone else too, is, and I didn't really recognize this until after I sat for the bar the second time, you are on your own path. 
It's completely unique to you. It's not going to look like somebody else's. And when I was in law school, they only told us stories of people who passed the bar the first time. There were no stories about people who didn't pass the first time and passed on the second, third, or fourth try. They never talked about that. So if you didn't pass, there was this perception of you were a failure. Like that's it. The only one. Exactly. And that's also in part why it felt so isolating because there weren't people outwardly talking about how they didn't pass the bar the first or second or third time. And for me, now that I talk so openly about it, I don't feel any shame. It's just part of my journey. And that's what I mean by we all have a unique journey and we all have a unique path is know that whatever you experience, whether you pass an exam or you don't, you get the job that you're searching for or you don't, or that door is opening for you or continues to slam in your face, it's happening, I think, for a very specific reason. And so it's an opportunity, I think, to reevaluate your path and reevaluate what's important to you. If I didn't pass the bar, if I passed the bar the first time, I would have never started a podcast. I would have never discovered a love for storytelling and content creation and connection. So I am so grateful (laughs) that I didn't pass the first time because it allowed me the opportunity to look at what I love, what's important to me. It allowed me to be innovative, to create something that I'm really excited and passionate about. So everything happens for a reason. And that's why I always tell people so much of this life journey is about allowing yourself to trust the way in which each stepping stone unfolds. And if you have the ability within you to take that roadblock or take that door that keeps slamming in your face and break it down into stepping stones for yourself, you're going to come out of it so much stronger, so much wiser, and so much more in tune and aligned with who you really are. Mm-hmm. So many things that you said there that I love. Uh, when you're driving or, you know, if I'm, I'm literally in my mind seeing somebody driving and they're coming up mm-hmm. to a roadblock and it could feel like the dead end of the journey. But if we can give ourselves perspective to know like this is just one leg of the route where you're stopped yes. is so, uh, you know, minuscule overall relative to your journey, to your vision, to what life has to offer you, we can get so trapped in feeling like mm-hmm. the first dead end is the end of everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we also sometimes think that that one road is the only road. Mm. So for me, I only had a plan A. (laughs) Like I wasn't somebody that had a plan B. Um, It wasn't until after I didn't pass the bar and then sat for it the second time that I started to think of a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D. And so when that plan A didn't pan out, I thought the road was over. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't realize I could make a U-turn and go back the other way and, and go down a different road and feel that out and see if that felt good for me. So yeah, I think you're right. It's all about perspective and recognizing that you have you have options. You're the one behind the wheel of the car. You can really direct yourself, I think, in any which way that feels good to you. Mm-hmm. Something to be said too about using a platform such as podcasting, but it doesn't have to be as public as podcasting, but we can take the shame out of our stories and our experiences by sharing them. It's like as Mm -hmm. soon as you were able to transfer what had happened to you and put it and share it with others and use it as a tool for connection, you took the shame away from it and could turn it into a a learning moment that you could now be proud of to say, you know, I really actually wouldn't uh, eliminate that part of my story because look at where it's taken me now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shame can't exist in the light. Uh So the more that we keep our stories or the things that we feel burdened by or saddened by or embarrassed by, whatever adjective 
you know, resonates. The more you keep it to yourself, you keep it in the dark, the more it can fester. But the more that you bring it to the light by voicing it, by discussing it, by sharing it to the way in, in the way that feels the, the, the best for you, because it's not about like word vomiting, right? Your whole story on somebody. It's about really sharing what feels authentic to you and, and what, um, you feel comfortable with in that moment and your comfort in sharing your story. At least I recognize for me has grown and developed over the years. Once you start to voice it, just like you said, Chloe, the shame can't exist anymore because you start to recognize that there are other people out there too that have had your experience or feel the way you feel or can resonate or you'll find somebody else out there who has a very similar story or experience. And this reminder, I think, that you're not alone. This remind That reminder comes from sharing your story. And I think it's a reminder that we need now, oh my God, so much more than ever. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Brene Brown, who we know is an authority on vulnerability, we're talking a lot Mm -hmm. about vulnerability and shame um, in this conversation, but it's interesting to me that vulnerability is also the birthplace of love, of courage, and of joy. They all come from the same part of ourselves, which is really Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, So for people, it can be just as uncomfortable as, you know, the feelings of being in a, in a negative place where these bad things have happened to you as also stepping into these beautiful, positive emotions of feeling joy of, you know, being your own anchor and just feeling worthy of experiencing these blissful, positive moments. What uh, advice or coaching would you give to people that really have a challenge just stepping into these beautiful, positive emotions available to them? Hmm. So I will start off by saying this. I was somebody that never allowed myself to experience joy. I was so afraid, especially growing up, that it would be so fleeting. What would be the point of celebrating it? I I also sometimes felt like if I celebrated these really good, exciting moments um, and it all went away, would I look like a fool? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, would I look like a fool for celebrating something that was fleeting or was going to go away? And, And I just never understood the point of celebrating or the point of stepping into that level of joy for myself. And then it wasn't until my early 20s when I really started to recognize recognize that I was spending so much time in anger, frustration, disappointment, sadness, that I really wasn't even allowing myself to test the waters of celebration, joy, or victory, or love, or anything that kind of exists, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. And I remember I had this conversation, I think it was with my therapist at the time, and we were talking about how you really can't have one emotion without the other. So if you're trying to push down joy, you're also pushing down disappointment. If you're trying to push down disappointment, you're also pushing down joy. You need to you need to allow yourself to experience the gamut of emotions. Um, you can't really have one without the other. And I remember thinking to myself, I mean, that seems kind of weird. Like, wouldn't I be experiencing more joy if I didn't allow myself to experience anger or frustration? But the truth is, is that when you, and this goes back to the beginning of our conversation, for me, when I've allowed myself to sit and process those emotions that feel heavier or more difficult, it has allowed me to better sit and process joy and celebration and happiness and victory and all the things in between. And so I would say for anybody who feels distrusting of joy, like I have felt for most of my life, is think about a moment in your life where you maybe felt 
just a little bit of joy. It doesn't have to be a big moment, just a little bit. I sometimes think about those moments where uh, my sis, my youngest sister is a baker. And so if I walk into the kitchen and this, there's this overwhelming smell of like chocolate chip cookies or last week she made these brown butter cookies and the, the smell was like enveloping. This evoked like this feeling of joy in me. It was like this permanent smile on my face just from the smell. Or another way that I connect to joy sometimes is uh, growing up, I was a big tennis player. I love tennis. And so thinking about sitting in a stadium with other fans and you're on the edge of your seat and it's a, it's a, a huge rally, it's break point, and the person you're rooting for hits a winner and the crowd goes wild, like erupts into, you know, applause and cheering. To me, that evokes a sense of joy. And so in moments where I feel like joy is just not possible, I try and tune back into those two memories, into those two feelings or moments where I experienced that sense of joy or what felt like joy. So for me, it's been a lot of how can I allow myself to tune back in to that feeling of joy? And so I always tell people, think about a moment where you felt joy and how did it make you feel? Because for me, connecting to that feeling and remembering it allows me to connect to it when I'm not feeling joy, to kind of transplant transplant myself there. I hope that's the right word. But also, to it helps me to look for joy in new places. So if I know how those smell of those cookies or that rally at a tennis match makes me feel, then I can better identify other moments that come up um, and say, oh, yeah, that, that reminds me of joy. Maybe that also is joy for me. Or, or no. It doesn't hit the mark at all. So I think my advice for people would just be think about how joy could or has made you feel and connect to those moments and allow it to carry with you when you're seeking out new moments of of joy. Because at the end of the day, I really believe joy is really possible for all of us. It's something that's inherent. It's innate. Um, happiness, I think, is a little bit different. Happiness is often something that's tied to the external Sydney, I love that you've given us some really practical tips of how we can bring joy into our lives just by recalling situations where we felt this feeling and, you know, we can forget that mm-hmm. so many opportunities we have to choose our emotions, to choose our state, but it takes work like everything else. You have to be consciously making the decision like, yes, let me reach for something of joy in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it is about that conscious choice. And by the way, you know, it's okay if you have moments where you don't want to experience joy, where you're like, nah, this is a crappy day. You don't have to force yourself, you know, into a joyful or happy emotion. Sometimes there's some, their medicine, I think, is really in letting yourself experience that, you know, negative moment or feeling or experience and knowing you have the ability tomorrow to to choose again. So yeah, I love mm. that you said that. Tell us about sure. stories of inspiring joy. It was a bit of an offshoot of the podcast initially, but I know it's like a very inspiring key part of what you do now mm. and really part of your whole mission as it relates to storytelling. So tell us how we can get some of that juice. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. So about four months into starting Seek the Joy podcast, I was receiving a lot of emails and messages from people saying, hey, I really love what you're doing. I want to be part of your show, but I don't want to be interviewed. Is there something else that I can do to be part of the platform? And I thought, what? <laughs> like To me, this didn't make any sense, but okay. So I started to brainstorm like what 
would that look like? What could that look like? And I came up with a series called The Power of Storytelling, where people would send in an audio clip sharing who they are, their story. It could be about a book they wrote, their entrepreneurial journey, overcoming some level of adversity. It could be a really happy, joyful moment. People have shared poems and music. I mean, the list goes on. And then 2020 happened. Um, So I had launched that in 2018. And then 2020 happened and it was about February or March. And the series was booked through December. And I thought, this is like not (laughs) sustainable. Like I can't do this. I can't have people waiting 10 months to share their story, to share their truth. And so I had this idea for a while to start a sister podcast. And finally I decided, all right, we just got to do it. I just got to go for it. So I launched Stories of Inspiring Joy uh, in May 2020, and it brings that series from the podcast onto its own individual podcast. So two stories go live every week on Mondays and Thursdays. And over the last year, I think it's especially become a really healing place for people to share their stories and experiences uh, throughout the pandemic. People have shared how they've built a business, how they've pivoted, um, how they've stepped into their true passions. And people talk about how this gave them, this period of time gave them permission to start pursuing music or art. And and so I've really enjoyed sharing stories um, in this way because as a host or producer of the podcast, Hmm. I am not part of it at all. It's really just the person sharing their story, sharing their truth. I am a big, big believer that we all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard. But often it just means either giving ourselves the permission to share or someone else opening up the door and the space for us to share. And so my hope with Stories of Inspiring Joy as well with Seek the Joy podcast has really just been to provide that space for people to to share their stories. So yeah, so that's so the series the, the sister podcast is almost a year old and we've shared I think almost 100 stories. You and I are talking in March, so I think we're at about 100 stories right now, that's which is amazing. And what I love and I want uh, people to take away from this is you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be the most successful business person mm-hmm. in the world. You don't have to be famous to have a story that can have impact on others. And that is worth sharing, right? We can get a bit down on ourselves and thinking, you know, who wants to hear yeah. what I have to say? Like, who am I? Right. Um, but yeah. it's not true. Yeah. Yeah, trust me, there's somebody who does. There's somebody out there that does. I'll never forget when somebody from Michigan, this is like a very specific story, but it's one I've kept with me. Someone from Michigan shared their story on the podcast. And then someone from Germany emailed me about that story and asked if they could share. And then from that story, somebody in Australia sent me a DM and said, hi, I really resonated with this story. Can I share? Then that person came on the podcast and shared. Then someone from LA reached out and I thought, are you kidding me? Like these people just sharing their story, their truth, their experiences, it's touching every corner of the globe. And it's something I never anticipated. So Chloe, you are so right. You, you don't have to, you know, have a huge platform. In fact, I think it's, it's, it's just not necessary. As long as you are a human being with an experience and a story and you feel called to share it, I want to share it. I want to help you do that or, you know, do it on your own, whatever feels the best for you. But I think, yeah, there shouldn't be a barrier to entry to Mm -hmm. sharing. Well, where can people connect with you and hear your podcast, hear stories of inspiring joy and just get some of this energy as Mm -hmm. they move through, through uh, their own mission and, and, um, and goals and challenges. 
Well, first of all, I have to say thank you so much for having me. Um, this was such a fun conversation and I appreciate your questions so much because I think there's such a beautiful connection between vulnerability and joy and also moving through, you know, shame or embarrassment or, you know, our own story as we've been sharing. So I really appreciate this conversation. Um, if you want to connect with me, which I hope you do, you can find Seek the Joy, everything about Seek the Joy podcast at seekthejoypodcast.com. We are at Seek the Joy podcast everywhere. Stories of Inspiring Joy is storiesofinspiringjoy.com. If you feel called to share your story, I have a little interest form on the website that you can fill out and I'll get back to you with more details about how to move forward. And you can find out too all about me and what I'm up to um, on seekthejoypodcast.com as well. So that's probably the best way. That's probably the best way to connect with me. Awesome. Well, I want to challenge anyone who's listening to this that did really connect with what Sydney was saying that really have something that has sparked in them to appreciate their story a little bit more. Take this as a challenge. Connect with Sydney. Request, you know, to submit your own story of inspiring joy, but just be open and be willing to to share the light, the dark, the ups, the downs. They all are what come together for your beautiful and important story. So go out there and connect with her. I really appreciate this conversation so much and continue to learn from you and your message, Sydney. So thank you for being a guest on the show. Mm, Thank you, Chloe. This was so much fun. Thank you so much again. If you enjoyed this, make sure you pass this along to a friend and we'll see you next time in the next episode. 